Hello and welcome to the Esbat Podcast. I'm Elle. And I'm Reggie. And today we're here with Heather Hood and we're discussing the book Ring Shout by P. Jelly Clark. Um, so Heather, to start things off, why did you choose this book? Because I, I feel like every person with, oh man, I'm going to get y'all like off the air for being so mean. <laughs> every person with more than two brain cells is like against racism. And this is just that book that you read it and you're just like, yes, get them. <laughs> okay. So reading up on, on the book itself, for those who aren't aware, it's a, it sounds almost, is it cosmic horror elements to it? Or is it just sort of more general horror? Um, it's historical horror mixed with demon monsters. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I just pull up the thing. So, it starts off with The Birth of a Nation, which, if you don't understand what that film is and you're listening to this, then I would suggest you pause it and go check out what that, don't watch the film, but go have a look, look at what that film is. Um, and it, the idea is that it is a sort of spell that brings in these Ku Kluxes, demons from another world. Um, but the main character is uh, Marcy. That's how I say it. But, you know, as a reader, I'm so used to reading it when I pronounce it. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Marcy has to basically go up against these the Ku Klux Klan and the Klan demons, um, which, you know, if you don't get the ideas and themes just from the blurb, then maybe take some time to go read up on shit um but yeah it sounds like it's quite uh quite a dark read in a lot of ways it tackles a lot of themes that make that do make people uncomfortable um but i assume that it's very effective in what it does and how it does it it does such a great job like Growing up, I was always afraid of the clan. And I'm gonna be honest, like I've never like ran that I know of, ran into like a clan member. But it was always like a fear in the back of my head, like, oh my gosh, the clan. And so when I saw that this book was about clan monsters, I was like, that's perfect. Cause my whole life they've kind of been the boogeyman. Like they're gonna they're gonna get me. <laughs> and so actually seeing them as not only like a villain, but as like a true actual monster was not only kind of i don't know it was kind of feel good like oh look they're really the bad guys i'm not crazy <laughs> like so that was really justified it like that fear yeah. in a way look i'm not crazy thinking about these monsters my whole life because it's i just absolutely love the characters because like the girls they're girls, just so you know. They're fighting these evil monster guys with swords. And my favorite part is they're, like, able to be angry. Like, there's so many parts in the books where they're just mad at what's happening in, like, the world. And a lot of the times with Black women, they're like, you need to, don't be angry. You know, calm down. Lower yourself. Like, and that's not what happens in this book. They're, like, loud. They're angry. And no one cares that they're just pissed off. And I love it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that is the power of horror is um, taking these sort of real life monsters and equating them with, you know, fictional monsters and such. But it sounds like as well that it's not a case of, oh, every Ku Klux Klan member is a demon. It's they're alongside them. It's, you know, that they have. Um, the it's still men who are evil, not, you know, men. It's still white people who are evil. It's humans who are doing this shit rather than it being all pinned on the demons. Yeah, because the the members are summoning these things with the birth of a nation kind of set up. Mm -hmm. So they're using that as a way to summon these demon guys into the world. Yeah, and using that, like, that film is, 
again, if you if you don't know what that film is, it's an extremely racist film that was released in 1915, I think. But it's it's been praised for its use of cinematography at the time and such, which is it's just wrong because it's even a film a film like that even if it breaks new ground in terms of technology like it doesn't really discount the other stuff that's promoted in it um but the use of that is really interesting as a device for setting the groundwork for what the coup the clan do um and obviously with the characters as well like you said they're allowed to be angry they're allowed to release their frustrations and go kick ass from the sounds of it as well yeah and there's like it's awesome to see like the black women taking charge of it like they're like sharpshooters and they've got swords and they're really just kind of in charge of helping get rid of this evil yeah which is not like obviously I've, I've read a lot of like i'm starting to read more historical fantasy and historical horror and things like that but it's not um like when you look up books and such, it's not black writers and black characters that are at the forefront, but you've got books like this, which are pushing out into, because he's even published by Tor.com um, and some other big names and such. And it's like a lot of the topics we discuss on the podcast. It's an, an area where, you know, people are underrepresented in terms of, I'm trying to think how to phrase it now. Um, in terms of, I, I probably more people are familiar with Lovecraft County than Ring Shout. Um, even though they sound like they're tackling sort of a similar period in American history, but Lovecraft County is written by a white guy. Whereas um, P. Jenny Clark, and this is my own failing, I hadn't heard of before you mentioned him, but looking up, he's got loads of books out. Um, a lot of novellas and stuff. So even if I don't pick up Ring Chow straight away, I'm going to definitely try and pick up some of his other stuff. And it sounds like he's tackling a lot of similar themes in those books as well. And um, Heather, would you say that it's very similar to how Toni Morrison would appro- had approached things with her? Um, I've read like Beloved, Blue Eyes, things like that from Toni Morrison. Would you say it's like similar in the approach that way, where it's very much so rooted in oh god what's the word I'm thinking of it's like if I were to give this to my husband right who is a black man he would understand it on a different level than me who is an Italian American lady right yes I feel like he he does a great job um really connecting like the past histories um and putting them into this book. Like so many of the things they talk about, like in the book are things that really happened with like the slaves. Of course, maybe, well, hopefully not summoning demons. Hopefully that didn't really happen. But like the part where they like climb like the mountain, like that really happened. And that really brought on the resurgence of the KKK. So Mm -hmm. that did kind of bring in more demons. Like that really happened. Um, They talk about, Briar Rabbit in there and that was a story um, that was big in the culture just because the rabbit was supposed to be seen as like the black person and the foxes and all the other ones were the white slave owners and the rabbit was always outsmarting everyone else so that was showing that you could use being clever instead of being strong and powerful Mm-hmm. And he does all these really small things in there that really like touch base, like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Like, oh, I remember like my grandma talking about that or bringing this up. And it's just great that he connects them all sort of so flawlessly together. But I really think that a lot of people can pick it up if they go in more open minded and like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And while you were talking, I was thinking of the phrase like rooted in reality. So there's something there's like a basis for these things. And then he takes it and runs with it, making that alternative history aspect, kind of deepening the lore a little bit on what he's trying to um, portray within his story. And he makes 
I don't want to say it makes it scarier, but, you know, clan monsters are a lot scarier than clan members. But he really is able to, like, up the ante of whole racism. Like, not only are they racist, but they're racist monsters. Like, (laughs) they're really going to get you. So then, Heather, what other, not just necessarily his works, but are there any other works that have spoken to you similar to this? Or is this the one that's really made the biggest impact with you? Like, in terms of monsterification, is that the word I'm thinking of? Um, The clan and things along those lines with that rooted in history bit as it comes across within the horror genre, any media doesn't have to be just books. Yeah, right now, this one's, I feel, I don't like comparing books, but it does a better job than Lovecraft Country. And I know that that's really big and it's really popular and there's a TV show, but he, in this book, he just does such a great job of connecting, like, so many different things. Like, there's even old, like, songs in it that used to be sang by the slaves, like, the stories and just he connects it also flawlessly, and I really feel like it should be more at the top if you want to see more of, like, the real impact of clan members and racism on people. Because I'll be honest, I it had me Googling things. I'm like, that can't be real. <laughs> um, like the lead of the KKK is called a grand cyclops. I was like, that doesn't even sound like cool. That sounds weird. And it's a real thing. Yeah. I will say the only reason I knew that was because of, Oh brother, where art thou? That George (laughs) Clooney movie, because the, the main guy was the cyclops. And that's the only reason I ever knew that. I forget who played him in that movie. (laughs) Come on, if you're going to be evil, come up with cooler sounding names, guys. They all sound like little kids on the playground with like capes on, just making up monsters and like hero names. To be honest, it's like kind of ridiculous. Right? I'm going to be the Grand Cyclops. Who are you going to be? <laughs> Imperial Wizard. <laughs> right? I'm going to be the Grand Wizard. Who are you going to be? And just going around making up things but if you do you know about night doctors they're in there too no i don't what are those well fun um i know you said that you wanted to read this one his um night doctors is actually online it's like on the tour.com website and you can just read like the little short story on him um so night doctors were really a thing in history um how do I say that without sounding like super racist? Um, the white people made it up to kind of control the black people into staying where they were. So they'd be like, well, if you don't watch out, the night doctors are going to come and get you. And so the night doctors were, it's around the same time as when they would steal bodies and, you know, dissect them. And so they would say that they would do that. They're kidnapping black people. And they're going to experiment on you and take your body. And so they would even go as far as to like dress up and go out and just like be fake spooky monsters to kind of keep people under control. And they're in this book, but they also have a fun twist on them too. So I don't want to ruin anything because that little short story about them is excellent. But Night Doctor's were another thing that were added in there and just another kind of form of control that he makes spooky. Spookier. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Down a bit. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely check that out as well. Bowsontour.com. I know what I'm reading tomorrow. Yeah, and yeah. Night Doctors I've never heard of before. I'm like, frantically googling them on my phone like adding them to the list of things to look up just to fill in my own knowledge gaps but that's because the, i have so many obviously yeah and that's i i think that's to the point you were saying earlier reggie whereas if you and your husband read it you both get something different from it but one of the reviews i was reading was saying 
you know, there's parts of the book that are going to go over the head, over your head if you're white. Um, or make you uncomfortable. And, you know, basically you have to deal with that. I mean, I'm fine with being uncomfortable. Like, that's part of, like, the learning and growing experience. But I also realize not everyone is like that because psychologically, whenever you're proven wrong about something, your natural inclination is to double down. Yeah. And make it worse. Which yeah. we see a quite a bit all the time on social media because now everyone has a platform for better or for worse. And it's, um, I just know that personally for me, it's not a problem to have like knowledge gaps and be proven wrong about things and be told that yeah. I'm wrong. But there are so many people out there that are not like that. I mean, I get proven wrong about things all the time. So why not? My husband will point something out. I'm like, I had no idea that could be interpreted as racist because he is black. And I'm like, well, I just learned something. Yeah. Definitely. See, I love that. That that's your reaction because so many people, like especially in mine, I'll be like, man, that's racist, and they will argue with me till they're blue in the face. Like that's not racist. Okay. <laughs> like one of us is a person of color, and the other one of us is not so i don't understand why you're arguing with like what i've been through to make yourself feel better so yeah. i'm glad that you have that open mind in situations well the whole thing is like my lived experience is quite different so like i can't say one way or the other how someone else is perceiving something i just intend to believe him and my niece if something happens because she is also black and things like that so like why should I project and double down on something whenever what their truth is, is that they're perceiving this as racist and making themselves uncomfortable. Like it's making them uncomfortable to be in that situation. So like I try to keep an open mind with it as much as I can, just because I think that's the absolute minimum mm -hmm. I could do. Yeah. But yeah, but I mentioned to, I think it was you all that, Whenever my husband and I went down to New Orleans, he had an incident, um, a lovely racist incident in the, in the French Quarter that was fantastic. Almost had the cops called on him for, oh. for like no good reason whatsoever. So it was after dark and he came running back to the hotel. He was like, I'm never leaving without you again. You're going to be my bodyguard because white skin shield. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to know all the details. So he just never left after night after that while we were down there. So it can happen anywhere, but that was just particularly surprising because you would think the French Quarter historically has been rather mixed, but can't protect everywhere, right? That's so sad for him. And I feel like it happens all the time in situations like uh, my husband's white and I had his wallet the other day. And my first thought was, I'm going to go to jail. They're going to think I stole this white guy's wallet because I was like without him. And it's sad that that's my first thought. But I feel like it's a lot of people, especially like if they end up in a neighborhood that's like predominantly white, they're going to be like, I better get out of here because they're going to think I'm like up to no good. Like, Yeah, and that's very like sad. Um, there's a area here that's very old money and as a result very white and privileged and if you are a person of color walking around there you will probably get the cops called on you and it's just like a default at this point so if he ever has to go there for an appointment or something he's like you're coming with me because they're gonna think I'm stealing something even though we have the money to shop in these shops which is like it's a whole thing but uh, it's just, it, I mean, I'm not that far from the Mason-Dixon line, but I'm far enough north that you wouldn't expect it, but you still get it. And like I was saying, I live in the, right in the center of the Bible Belt. <laughs> yeah. And I can tell you, it got a whole lot worse, uh, not to be political, but when all that politics stuff was going on, I don't know what happened, but the racism came out much was, bigger than normal <laughs> I felt like people were right. racist yeah I'm sorry Elle. this is like very American politic here no but 
but this is when you say about like you know knowledge gaps and stuff my i mean i grew up in a very white town um but it's a town that's right next to one of the oldest diverse communities in the uk um which is a part of cardiff that i live in now and i mean you grow up and you hear people saying stuff that maybe as you get older you go well that's not right or if you're left well if you maybe know because my primary school was uh, a church primary school but there was kids there who were muslim and there was kids there who were sikh and it was only some stuff that you know they corrected us on basically that we even realized what we were saying was wrong and you but you have to work like I always see it as it's something that you know you you work on as you get when you as soon as you know what is happening I you know it was a case of like if you say something and then they say well no that's not right you can't say that you okay I won't say that then if that makes sense but like you hear stuff from people who as a kid and you kind of go well I know that's wrong and you don't you're the adult and it's taught and it's so sad because that's how kids pick it up exactly because when I was seven I was seven years old when I was first called the n-word like hard r this Europe. I won't say it because I feel like that's a word that we don't need to be saying out loud. But that was taught to him. Like that was what he heard at home about people of my skin color. Yeah. And so definitely I feel like we got to teach kids like my son, my husband's white. So my son is super white. So I'm not worried about that happening to him. But I want him to know that if he hears that being told to another child, like he needs to defend them. Like that's not something that people should be saying to children and they've already said it to another little boy at his school and they're in kindergarten and they're already knowing that these words and using them to describe dark skinned children. It's that passing down, they may not fully grasp it, but that's what someone that they respected or their parent told them. So that's passing down that knowledge, which needs to stop. But yeah. Yeah. Like you, you have people who will say like, Oh, well they're too young to learn about racism. No, they're not like you're, you know, I probably didn't learn about racism until I was a bit older, but that's because I come from a privileged background. And the fact is like, you know, kids, who are subject to racism learn about it hell of an age they're too young to learn about racism but they've got no choice you know and you have to teach your kids you have to teach them what racism is what homophobia is and teach them that it's wrong because you know people say all the time oh well kids aren't born racist no they're not but they're taught it from somewhere so you have to counteract that It's so true because with um, growing up, like my family sat us down multiple occasions, told us all about you're going to be called this word. It was never like you might be called this word. It was always you will be called this word. This is what they think that word means. This word means nothing about you. Like from as young as I can remember, we were taught like you're going to be called this. This is just going to happen. It's a part of life. And so when it did happen, I was just like, knew this was going to (laughs) happen. Like, no surprise. But if little children of color are having to be taught from such a young age that that word is going to be said or somebody's going to say something about the color of their skin, other children need to be taught, like, defend them. Like, make sure they know that that's not all right. Like, this is what's going on. And... Like I said, my son is just like the whitest kid. (laughs) And so I'm not worried about that. But I want him to have in his heart to know that when he sees other kids facing these challenges, that he can defend them. Like he can be the one to step up and be like, we don't say that. Yeah. And I think like um, books such as Ring Shout 
um, they're they're written from everything I read about it. It's written for a black audience, um, but that's not to say that like if I pick it up, it's not going to be it's not educating me on stuff. But it does give you a worldview that I ha- I don't know. Um, and a book that I've written about it for the website, but there was there's the BBC released a TV series of a book called Noughts and Crosses. Um, I think it was released on HBO as well, but it's written by an, a British author called Mallory Blackman. Um, it was released the end of the 90s, early 2000s, and I read it quite young. But it was a, basically it's a dystopian book where the noughts are what basically working class white people and the ruling class are black because Africa colonised Britain. Um, but the way she does it is she kind of it's a lot of the events from the actual civil rights era in the States are used to influence what happens in the book. But it was I read that when must be when it first came out so I was about 10 11 years old and it was one of those things that that book always stuck with me because it was a worldview I not only that I didn't know but I hadn't really been exposed to at the time and then you read it and it's kind of like this connection between the real life events it maybe you've heard of in the background and I remember after reading that book going online because the internet was just about out or down the library or wherever it was I was and reading up on okay so that's what Little Rock was and that's what um you know all these different events that she uses but also tied in with a lot of stuff to do with like the IRA in the UK um and movements like like that but (coughs) excuse me from the the noughts side of it but it's kind of one of those things where it's twisted around, but to the point that you can kind of more easily see where the influences have come in and why she's written it the way she has. And I think when you read books like that or books like Ring Shout or The Hate You Give um, and God knows how many others I can't name off the top of my head right now, it's not just about like educating yourself on not this is racism and this is what people experience. It's just about seeing like another point of view that maybe you were because you're at home in wherever it is you are that you don't know. Oh, I accidentally muted my mic. I was talking into my muted mic. Um, that's a very me move sorry about that um I see where you're coming from Al with like the kind of like you don't know what you don't know and then you pick up a book maybe written for a different audience and you end up learning from it I believe Toni Morrison had an interview in the 90s about that someone actually asked her when she was going to start writing for white people and she said it's a gift that you're able to read my books something along those lines. I'm very much so paraphrasing. It's been a while since I've seen that interview. It was great. But yeah, it's very much so a case of whenever you pick up something, you don't know what you don't know. But can I go back, Heather, to something you said about your son really quick? So, of course. So your son has lighter skin. I'm assuming that's because you're not, that's why you're saying you were not worried about him as much. <laughs> Yes. So, so, like, in terms of passing, then, would you say that passing as a biracial person would be its own, it could come with its own horror elements and things that even you and your husband won't be able to navigate because he is biracial? Um, I'm thinking specifically about the movie Passing that came out last year with Ruth Nega about the sisters, one could pass as white and one chose to not try and pass and how their lives diverged. I don't know if you saw that movie. Um, No, I haven't. um, It was very interesting. But um, in terms of what your child and how he's going to navigate this world, 
have you seen anything either in um, your books or media or anything like that where you can be like, ah, so this might be something that he could experience. Here's something I can educate him on as he moves forward. Obviously, his world is very different from when you were a little kid and just acknowledging those differences. But have you ever seen anything or read anything that stuck out to you as something you wanted to explain to your son or teach him about? Um, the main thing with him that like I've just seen like in life, um, a lot of people don't think he's mine. Um, so I try to tell him like we do look different. Like people might not realize like we, I don't have time to draw Punnett squares. Um, Cause I'm biracial. My dad was black. My mom's white. Okay. And so he's more white than he is black, but he'll go around telling people that he's a strong, healthy black man. And I have to talk to him and like kind of explain like, yeah, like you're part black, but you don't look black. <laughs> so people might not actually believe that. And with him, I've just tried to be like really open minded, especially with racism and race like we have the little heroes books have you seen those with like the little black people has it yeah. we've got those we got a martin luther king birth uh book just the other day and i really just want him to know about race just as a whole like all sorts of race like he has so many questions about um black people um he threw a fit the other day because he was like why we're black people slaves. And so I always just take the time when he has the questions to answer them, like as honestly as I can. He's only five. <laughs> so kind of with his language, but he really, he really thinks he's more black than anything. And I think that might get him into some trouble, but I haven't read too many things. Um, that really stick out to me that would, make it a struggle but I like even growing up mixed race you kind of everyone always says there's that whole struggle like am I black or am I white like who likes me and that it does happen at some point there are some people who are like well you're not black enough or there's some people who are like you're not white enough and if that ever does happen I I've been in those shoes with them too so hopefully we can have honest conversations about things like that okay yeah, that's good to know. And the only reason I did not realize you were biracial is because your skin tone on the camera is about the same as my husband. So I'm just like going off by that. And he is, I don't even know what he is, to be honest. He's just whatever Barbados is. I know. The whole mix I of am, things. I'm the darkest one of my sisters and I have the lightest kid. And I'm like, it's, life works weird. <laughs> but that is distressing, though, that people don't think that's your child. Like, I would imagine that would be, as a parent, absolutely horrifying on a different level that someone's, you're you're walking this kid and someone can accuse you possibly of taking a child that is not yours or possibly even darker than that, going into trafficking or things like that. Because I've read about instances like um, biracial children have to have passports and like birth certificates sometimes while traveling because they don't believe that the mother could have birthed this child and it's like a precaution but also distressing that that has to be a precaution but um i'm hoping nothing like that has happened to you because that would be some real life horror going on right the worst thing so far is i've been at a school and they were like oh you must be this kid's mom and it was a little black kid and i was like i don't know who that is i'm sorry that's not mine Please stop trying to give me children. Please do not so, hand me someone else's child. Right? Like, I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to go to jail. That child, I don't know who that is. <laughs> but that, so far, that's been the worst thing, is they think that I'm, like, the parent to, like, the dark-skinned child in the classroom instead of this tiny little white child. Yeah, I, I'm wondering how that's going to work if Nick and I ever have a child how that would be an interesting thing to navigate with the very Italian side of my family and then his family being mixed between um not mixed sorry being split between like New York and Barbados so that would be an interesting time 
I don't know if that'll happen or not. We don't know yet. Still too early in our lovely marriage to have decided about children. <laughs> well, I bet they'll be beatable either way. Oh, God, I'm terrified because Nick, like, has a food dance. And I'm like, oh, God, the niece has it. His sister has it. His mom has it. This is a very strong genetic trait to have a very specific dance about food. And they all do it at the same time. <laughs> and they don't know it. And then I would just have to deal with a bunch of dancing fools in my house as I'm cooking. I don't know if I actually have that there. Oh, was that Heather? Sorry. That sounds like a party. It does. They're all just really excited. <laughs> they see the food and they're like, yes, food. Time to twerk over the food. I love that for them. It's a very pure kind of genetic thing, but also one that's very funny to see in action. I can't <laughs> deny that. Um, oops, there we go. And then, uh, I guess, just like, given the recent, I don't want to call it like, uh, I don't want to call it a trend, but it kind of feels a bit trendy, right? Where oh, we're giving more creators of color platforms. Um, but then we're also not supporting them outside of, you know, Black History Month or outside of, like, um, whatever campaign we had during that one summer where it was like, here's YA the authors of color, things like that. What? I mean, it doesn't sound that difficult to tell people to just keep going with it, but it is so difficult to have people keep reading diversely, giving um, creators of color more uh, more attention. How have you perceived that just with um, the media that's been popularized versus things that you're actually connecting to? Do you know what I'm I, asking here? Maybe I'm not wording it right. It's so annoying <laughs> just to watch because I remember back when those tragedies were happening, like black men were losing their lives, people were protesting, things were burning, and everyone was like, yeah, Black Lives Matter, we're supporting black people, read read their books, listen to their podcasts, and then tragedy stopped happening, and all of a sudden, where's that support now? So, like, in my head, I know it's probably not how it's meant to look, but it almost seems like only black tragedies lead to supporting people of color like we shouldn't someone shouldn't have to die for people to want to support more black people it shouldn't be a certain month it should be an everyday thing like it's not it's not something that i i don't want to say it's like popular but like it shouldn't have to be popular to be like the trend if that makes sense yeah i think it does um, like, it shouldn't be, how am I going to phrase this? It should not be a tragedy with a Black family, a Black person plastered all over the news that forces people to confront what's happening every day. Yes, we shouldn't have to, we shouldn't have to grieve to be, like, involved. Yes, yeah. there we go. That's a better way of putting it. And, like, we're seeing a little bit more traction, especially with um, Jordan Peele getting a lot more attention in Hollywood, which I really like because he does seem to bring on a lot of diverse um, not authors, writers into the room. And he definitely gives opportunity, it seems, to people. Obviously, I'm not following his career under a microscope, right? There's only so many hours in a day. But... It's kind of interesting whenever I see those trends where it's like, here's more creators of color on TikTok, Twitter, what have you. And then it's just a flash in the pan. And I find that very disheartening in many ways, because it could be a whole nother children of blood and bone kind of book that got a lot of attention. There could be five or six other books like that that no one's paying attention to because they were not popularized at the right moments. 
and I don't think Ring Shout is going to be one of those. I remember whenever I was doing research just on the book and putting it on in my cart for my next paycheck that it actually has been optioned into a, either a movie or a TV series. So it is coming. But are there any concerns for you as a fan of this book with how that could be approached whenever it translates from the written word into media, like a more accessible media form? I hate to say accessible because reading is great, but you know what I mean. Some people just don't like to read. I I think it would be great. There's always that like anxiety you get when something you love becomes a a movie or a TV show. You're like, no, they're gonna ruin it. But I think it's also great because, like you said, more people will watch like a movie or a TV show than they'll pick up their book. So maybe they'll get to see it. Like with my husband's not a reader, and so when I tell him about these amazing things I'm reading, I hope there's always a movie so that I can be like, look. Here's the movie. And then I can sit there and be like, that didn't happen in the book. Let me tell you what happened. <laughs> he probably hates it, but it's still a great way for, because he'll get to see the things that I get to read about. And so hopefully that gets more people out there. And then maybe that will give a little more push to, ooh, what else is out there that's kind of like this? Yeah. And then obviously I would hope that it would there their interest in seeking other voices, other books to maybe option into movies or TV shows is not limited by maybe going on a streaming platform that's a little bit more niche or maybe it's not as well received initially on that first weekend since streaming services seem to base everything on how it ha- on how things roll that first weekend that it drops versus the longevity of the piece. And um Hopefully they adapted very well. I haven't looked into who is doing the adaptation. I'm hoping I can get the book and read it before it comes out. It looks like this article was from 2020. So uh seems like after that book was published, it got optioned pretty quickly. Which it's is, a really good book. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at his um, biography as well. And he has some stuff that sounds very interesting to me. It looks like he has this gin series, which sounds oh, quite... It's so good. <laughs> that's like right up my alley. Oh, here it is. That, Sorry. Like, that whole series is amazing. Like there's like little novellas of it. And that's how I first started reading it. And so when like the book book came out, I was like, sign me up in that. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be reading those. Um, and I just realized that um, Cassie Lemons is writing and directing it, the adaptation. And she's, or is it Casey? Cassie. Might be Casey. I've, I don't think I've ever heard her name said out loud. I've always read her name now that I'm realizing this. She did, um, I believe she did Eve's Bayou. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. And she was also in Candyman. She was the black um colleague in Candyman. Which Candyman, that was very strange that they went to Cabrini Green and they talked to the white woman instead of the black woman. Like that was a very strange thing now that I'm thinking about it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was just like I just remembered that scene and going, wow, they would just like ignore me if I had gone there. Um because Cabrini Green. Anyway, uh, she's directing it, and if people who are listening to this have not seen Eve's Bayou, you should, because that's a beautiful movie. And also brilliant on many, many levels. Anyway, um, adaptations, pretty excited about it. They do not have a date for the adaptation to come out. Hopefully, whenever they do release it, we can update this episode with a note saying, here's where you can go find it or something like that. But yeah, I, I'm i excited about that also because my husband is a reader, but he doesn't necessarily read. He consumes like visual media a lot faster than he reads. Unless it was Children of Blood and Bone, in which case he stayed up all night and finished those in like one sitting. That's about it for him. 
So it'd be nice to like sit down and watch that with him. We tried Lovecraft Country though. He did not like it. It it's much different than the book too. <laughs> it lost us around episode three, I want to say. I was like, "What is happening?" I really tried. I really did because I read the book and then I saw the wanted to see the show and I was like, "Ugh, this isn't right." <laughs> and sometimes it's just. It gets too much, and I'm just like, I won't. So I never finished it either. Yeah. Well, that just happens sometimes. I hope that I don't have that with Ring Shout. But, um, so, Al, I realize I'm, like, monopolizing this. If you have anything, please, by all means. I'm listening. You're listening. She's zoning out over there, listening, drinking her (laughs) Coca-Cola. He's like, I'm thirsty. Y'all are talking too much. Heather, <laughs> <laughs> um, what are some other authors that you feel like people should be looking into? I think everyone should read Legendborn <laughs> if they haven't. I like, felt that. I need to read that. Like, I know it's like supposed to be like younger. I know. But oh my gosh, if Teenage Me would have had that book, I would have been unstoppable. Let me see. <laughs> It would have been no stopping me. I would have been unstoppable. Absolutely love that story. I feel like everyone needs to read it. Um, and it's going to become a movie or TV show. I just saw that recently, too. Probably a TV show, I would think. It's a multi... It's like a trilogy or something, right? Yeah, the second book's supposed to be coming out, and I'm going to need that one. Because it, uh, yeah, just just read it. It's beautiful. It's just amazing. I pretty much tell everyone I know to try to read that one. Uh, what else? Do I really like? Yeah, I just I I hate be. I feel like I got put on the spot. I'm like, man, I, what books have I read in my life? <laughs> I don't Sorry. remember reading anything. I feel like that whenever I need to think of, like, a friend said to me, because I said, oh, yeah, I read loads of, like, children's and young adult stuff, and she's got some kids. And she was like, oh, can you recommend any? And I kind of went, um, yeah. <laughs> like, just, like, You're like every single book I've read. Yeah, I know, it's just like, I don't remember reading, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't answer that. Yeah, it's like, give me five minutes. I'll think of something. Just don't put me on the spot. Check, check on Goodreads. <laughs> Definitely. Right. Just, here's my link. <laughs> Go through there. Those are the people I like. Here's I feel like everyone link. should read Hayley Piper. I feel like she's a genius. Yeah. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, Hayley's pretty um, good. Yeah, Hayley. Um, and then, like... I think I wanted to finish off. Let me think here really quick. I had written down something. And I'm talking away from my mic. So, of course, my audio just got really weird there for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) The last thing I wanted to ask you about are any, um, is there anything in particular that you are excited about for this year? 2022, which feels like 2019 still because COVID and all that fun stuff. But is there anything in particular that you're excited for this year or anything that you're hopeful about? Anything like that in terms of horror media? It doesn't have to be horror related necessarily, but just anything that you're particularly hyped about. I'm always hyped about the new books that come out every year. It's like Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm one of those. I try not to. I try not to look like what's coming out in February because like, I want it to be a surprise, like a mystery bag. Like, what am I going to get this month? And so every month I really look forward to seeing like what people are putting out. And like on my Twitter, I love seeing all the authors I follow, like really hyped when they're having stuff coming out. So I get really hyped about their stuff coming out. I'm like I said, I'm excited about. Legendborn, the paperback copy came out and I want to get it because there's more information in it. <laughs> That's probably not too important, but I definitely want that. Definitely do. Okay, cool. 
I know I'm excited about The Girl That Fell Beneath the Sea, which is a um, retelling of a Korean fairy tale. That sounds very fun. It should be in the YA section soon. So I'm just like, yes. Give me the. I really want to read Witchlings. Have y'all heard about that one? Witchlings? It's like maybe like middle grade. Witchlings. Yes. Yeah. I think I know which one you mean. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen the cover but i've not read the synopsis it comes out in april and i it just looks so cute these little witch girls and like there's a little test you can take to see which coven you would be in and it's just all exciting oh okay it's the ghost squad writer gotcha yeah ghost squad that looks very cute but it just looks so cute and like it gives me that feeling I had for that one book where I get a name. And I love that for me. Yeah, we, uh, yes. we tend to not name that book on the podcast either. We tend to I not name the author that shall not be named. Right. Etc. Uh, talk about I, I do like looking at this where it's a magical adventure for fans of Amari and the Knight Brothers. Yes. That's Amari and the Knight Brothers is on my TBR. That it just looks so well. cute. Yeah, I, I know. It. it makes my heart happy for all the little kids that like get to experience it like young, you know, and they don't have to wait until they're like old ladies like me to, <laughs> to experience like the cute little brown kids and stories. So that's so exciting. Like I think about how um, bland YA was when I was in the YA target audience and like I skipped over a lot of them and now now I'm just like yeah just give me all the young adult because they're they're amazing um, YA I, whenever we were younger was very mm. well I got confused because I might have spoken about this before but um over here it wasn't middle grade and young adult it was teen and young adult so when I was like 15 I was picking up the books that were in the library under teen and going these are all really young and then looking at the young adult and being like oh I'm probably too young for that and then skipping over it until I realized and went back and was like oh I'll read these and then read them and was like okay but they're all kind of the same but yeah sorry go on Heather it's okay so sorry I keep talking in front of you that's uh, no, we just have thoughts at the same time. <laughs> We're on a similar wavelength is all. Some of these covers, though, have you seen them? They're beautiful. And I yeah. feel like they've gotten like, much cooler than they were when I was reading them. But now that I'm old, I'm like, I will read anything I want to. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what grade it's for. It's going to be mine. <laughs> it's true, though. No one can stop you. Exactly. I have adult money now. I can do what I want. The amazing thing <laughs> with adult money, I can spend it where I want. Right? You can't stop me. I'll go to whatever section in Barnes and Nobles I feel like it. Yeah, Nick was working at Barnes and Noble for a while, so he is no longer working there, which is both a benefit and a curse because we were buying way too many books. See, I just kind of want to work there for that reason, like have two jobs. They have a very so good I, discount. So I can spend my Barnes & Noble money check at Barnes & Nobles and then have my other check for other things. That is what he did. He would just work there on Sundays, like for a couple of hours, and he still qualified for that discount, which <laughs> was a good discount. And then now we have too many books. <laughs> there's no such thing as too many books just lack of space we have lack of space then yeah we have lack of space and a rabbit that likes to climb on bookshelves so that's a problem that's adorable though adorable until you realize that she's looking at you from the third shelf and you're like why is she there this is very threatening <laughs> She's just trying to read. Like, she wants to learn. By eating my books. 
that's how they learn, right? You learn by eating things. Eat the knowledge you want. If only that were the case. Oh, man, I'd be a genius. Be eating so many books. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love that. That'd be fun. That would be fun. It'd be a lot more fun than The Matrix. Like, why download when you can just eat books? I guess it depends. Would they taste good? Um, I don't know. Maybe it depends on the genre. <laughs> like, I feel like horror would be like the spicy food of books. Yeah. Are you sure that wouldn't be the erotica section? <laughs> <laughs> that would be like the chocolate-covered book. The chocolate-covered strawberry book. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like romances would be like cakes of various sorts. Horror would be like spicy food. Spicy, unusual foods. Yeah. Like if we're going down like Hayley Piper territory, they'd be just very unexpected flavors. You wouldn't be opposed to them, but you'd just be like, that was not what I was expecting. I'm not mad at it. Like one of those slow burns, like, oh, this isn't spicy. And so you keep eating it. And then you're like, I need a gallon of milk. (laughs) Yes. It wouldn't be like hot wings or hot ones. Is that what hot ones? Yeah, that's the show. Hot ones. I feel like young adult sci-fi would be like, I don't know why. I imagine sci-fi is different sandwiches. Like the subway, the subway of books. Yeah. I could probably come up with an entire thing about this if you give me like enough time. Be like, here you go. Fantasy would be like like when you go to Viva Brazil and you get presented with all the different meats. <laughs> that would be fun. I feel like middle grade would have to be like candy because it's still kind of like kid friendly. Yeah. A bunch of candy. Adults can eat it too. Yeah, because candy's for everybody. I don't know what young adult would be. I can't just put him in a. It would be like pizza with fried chicken on top. Because teenagers eat weird food. Yeah. Pizza and ranch. Oh, God, pizza and ranch. (laughs) Elle, you don't have that over there, do you? I don't think so. I think I need to double check what ramen is. Is it like okay? I mean, it's instant noodles, isn't it? Pizza and ranch. Oh no! I thought you said ramen. No ranch. Ranch. Oh, ranch dressing. Yeah. Yeah, we have that here. Do you put that on your pizza? No. I think that's probably a good thing. (laughs) Ranch is. I'm not a fan of ranch. Sorry, either of you are. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna go now. Not no. no. <laughs> I feel like you're the fourth person that's told me just this week that they hate ranch, and it still blows my mind. Well, <laughs> I was not raised with it, and I think that's kind of the thing, right? Like, I was not raised with ranch as a flavor in my household. So, there's a lot of things that after marrying my husband, I'm realizing I just never actually ate growing up. And he's like, what do you mean you've never eaten? Not even ranch. It was something like very common. I'm like, never eaten that before. Like, why haven't you eaten? Like, just wasn't a thing. I don't know what to tell you. So what do you eat on salads? <laughs> We need our own dressing. <laughs> we just get a bunch of like herbs and stuff in with some olive oil and vinegar and just shook it up and that was it. Like that was all we ate for dressing. See, I just maybe I'm just like very Texan and like everyone and their mom. It's like ranch on your pizza, ranch on your salad, ranch on your your chicken. Like people drinking ranch. I don't. <laughs> It's just, it's just everywhere. Chug it down ranch. Pretty much. They're like everywhere you go. Can I get some ranch? Like everyone just has ranch. Maybe that's more of a 
Well, no, I can't even say it's a Texas thing. Like, there are places around here where it's like, yeah, everything comes with ranch. And I'm like, I just don't understand why are we doing things with ranch. I'm just broken, Heather. I think that's the problem. I'm just broken. You're just different, and that's okay. I'm just different. Don't understand ranch dressing. (laughs) You can even get ranch Crocs. Like, that tells you how much people like ranch. That's I didn't know that. That is some cursed knowledge. <laughs> I'm going to need you to Google the ranch crocs, please. It's like Hidden Valley had some. Oh, my God. I need to see this now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why does this exist? Is this just going to- Why is it sold out, Heather? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves ranch. I told you. <laughs> I just, They're sitting at home with their ranch crocs, eating their ranch. I really okay, hope ask, someone out there listening to this is eating ranch. In their ranch crocs. Please email if us. If somebody has ranch crocs, can they reach out to us and like show us these shoes? I need to know they're real. I, it says sold out, but do I believe that marketing? No. I want to actually see it in the wild on someone. I need to see this. I don't know how else to put it. I needed to see it in sports mode as well. And if I ever see ranch crops in like real life and I can purchase them, I'm going to send you a pair. Okay. I do <laughs> because I will find it hilarious. I'll just and be I'll like, be like this I'll is you some ranch shoes. I'm going to have to post this on some of the discord servers I'm in with some cursed knowledge warnings because that that's, that is something so that's something else. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just had to let you know. I, I thank you. As an American, I should have known about this. And yet I did not. And I feel like I am lacking because I was not aware. I feel like it's a very culty following. Like it's either you're really into ranch or you're not. So The ranch cult? It's, yeah. It's the shoes they wear for their meetings. You gotta wear your ranch crocs or you can't come. They pass around a chalice of ranch. Yeah. It just gets blood of the blood of ranch. (laughs) (laughs) That would actually be an amazing like short film just all about ranch cult. (laughs) Or a commercial. Oh yeah, that would be a good commercial. And then just at the end it was like Hidden Valley and it was over. Just no context whatsoever, and then all of a sudden Hidden Valley fades in across the screen. Exactly. Like, it's like a horror movie, and then just Hidden Valley. It's a lie. It's a ranch commercial. That would happen during the Super Bowl. Or Halloween. Or Halloween. I mean, they're doing Schwarzenegger as Zeus for the Super Bowl, I believe. So, I'm dating myself right now. I'm dating the, I'm dating the podcast right That's now. That's fine. But... Yeah, that's a. I don't see why not. Let's just do it. Oh, let's do a, a, a GoFundMe or whatever and make this happen. Maybe just, Hidden Valley will hear this and be like, that's genius. We'll pay them. Yeah. Hidden Valley, you can contact us on sbotbookish at gmail.com. There you go. <laughs> Get in or touch, you could just please. send us a hat. Yeah, please send us stuff. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> we went way off topic there. <laughs> so today on the podcast we have talked a lot about ranch. Um but Heather, thank you very much for joining us. Um and where can people find you? Well, I'm so glad to be here. Today was brought to you by the little R for racism and ranch dressing. Um <laughs> I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Goodreads. And it's usually Heather Horror Hellion is my name because that's what I love. Awesome. And you can find the podcast at Esbat Bookish. Um, we do finally have social media. I think every episode we've recorded till now we've mentioned we don't have it, but we do have it now. So that's at Esbat Bookish. And I'm at L Turpit Reggie. And I am at Reggie, R-E-G-I-C, as in cat, writes on Twitter. And I don't really have an Instagram, but I should probably consider it in the future. I'm on it, but I just don't use it that much. 
Um, but yeah, follow us on there because Elle and I have some short stories coming out, some exciting editing things, Elle, that are going to be released. So we are always going to be screaming about our our works on those lovely sites. Yeah. Go follow Heather as well and make sure you go read Ring Shout. Yeah. We'll watch so much, it. Or watch it when it comes out. Yeah. Yes. Do you want to say bye, Reggie? Yes, goodbye, y'all. Goodbye, Reggie. And again, Heather, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you.